Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I have a specific direction as we are celebrating Jesus this morning for us to to recognize. Did you hear the strength in your praise today as you were lifting him up? Did you sense the lifting of things that may have been trying to be heavy in your life as you began to worship him and, and as you began to celebrate the great things he's already done for you? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. And I want to, to tell you I am not ashamed of pulling a Christmas passage out. I don't want you to, to think, oh, it's a Christmas message. We're celebrating, all year long is a Christmas message because Christmas is really celebrating the Christ. And he is our Christ. And so for us to pull this text today is, is appropriate because we need to consistently strengthen ourselves and root ourselves and anchor ourselves in our Redeemer. And when... The angels sang. It was such a shift in what had been in the life of God and his people because Jesus was born on the earth. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 2. There is an angel in verse 9. It says, The angel of the Lord came upon them, talking about the shepherds in the field. The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Verse 10 says what the angel declares, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That includes you. Great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. Christ is is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title, which means the anointed one and his anointing. His anointing is included. The anointing of God is upon Jesus. He has poured out the fullness of his anointing upon him. He is the Christ. We are in him. And so we are, we are uh, recipients of that anointing. We also participate in that anointing, but only because we're in him. Without our place in him, we would have no connection to it. But because we're in the body, he's the head, we're the body, and the anointing flows from the head down through the body. So we celebrate our Christ. And it says, this sign shall be unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Why were the angels singing that on the earth there's peace? Peace, 
On the earth, there's peace. It wasn't on the earth until Jesus brought it to the earth. It's not referring to peace, the emotion of feeling of, of calmness or tranquility. This is referring to our relationship with God. Peace with God is what this is indicating. On the earth, there is finally the one who will bring peace with God so that mankind, every human being, has the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God that's whole, a relationship with God that's complete, a relationship that's not hindered by their sin nature. But this this one who has brought peace, the Prince of Peace, he's going to provide a way for their nature to be changed. He's going to provide a way for spiritual life to enter in where spiritual death had entered because of Adam's fall. He is going to provide a way for there to be such a change take place by them being born again, by God taking out the old heart and putting in his new heart full of his life. There's going to be such a change that they can have the relationship with God that God always wanted. So we see the angels are so stoked. They are so excited. They are so thrilled because this is the, this is the desire of God's heart. This is God's, God's ultimate heart desire that he have a restoration of this relationship with mankind. Now go with me to Hebrews and I want to show you in Hebrews the words that were spoke before, before this birth, we have record of the conversation between God and Jesus the moments before Jesus entered into the womb of Mary and, and came to be the word made flesh. And let's see what he says here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Hebrews 10, 5 says, Wherefore, when he comes into the world. When he comes into the world, he says. So this is what Jesus said moments before he entered the womb of Mary and the word became flesh. And the word became flesh is John 1.14. Go ahead and put that up there real quick and we'll come right back to Hebrews 10.5. But I want you to see it, have it in your notes because the incarnation, if you've ever heard that word, the incarnation, it simply means that God became man. Jesus became a man legally, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. So the word was made flesh. When did that happen? The moment that he entered the womb of Mary and the word became the body of Jesus in her womb. So go back to Hebrews 10 because before the word was made flesh, he had this conversation in Hebrews 10, 5, where he says, he says, Sacrifice and offering you wouldest not. One translation says, you did not desire. Sacrifice and offerings were not God's original plan. They were not God's intent. The sacrifice and offering, he's talking specifically about the sacrifice of the innocent animals to have to cover the sin of the people. It was the only way they could engage in a relationship with God because of Adam's sin. What had entered into the heart of every person was spiritual death. 
It says that in Romans chapter 5, that death entered by sin. So when they sin, their, their spirit, which once had the light bulbs on, the light went out. They were not, so spiritual death wasn't a cessation of life. Spiritual death means to be disconnected from the life of God. Disconnected from the life of God. So every human being born after Adam was disconnected from the life of God. And God, it wasn't his preference. It wasn't his desire to have such a, a separation between us because of that spiritual death and that nature of sin having entered in. You know, at, when God created Adam, Adam had never feared before. Adam, Adam had never experienced that, um, uh, th- that some of the things that we have just a- accepted and, and, and learned to live with. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He was alive unto God until he sinned and his life became spiritual death. So he didn't cease to exist right away. Remember, God said, if you eat the fruit of the tree, you shall surely die. That's King James. If you go to the original Hebrew language, it says, in dying, you shall die. In dying spiritually, you'll die physically because the physical life receives its, its source from the spirit life in us. So he said, when you, when you die spiritually, then eventually you'll die physically. It took him like 900 years. Did he live to be like 900 some odd years old? Right? It took that long because God had created the physical body to live forever. But sin, when sin entered, sin brought death with it. And that death, it took, it took those years. And, and when we recognize this separation that God was having to deal with, he could not have the same relationship that he had created us for. It was a distant relationship. It was, it was a, a, um, a, a difficult interaction because of that sin. And so God created a plan. He made the plan of the blood covering of the animals as a temporary. It was never intended to be a permanent solution, a temporary solution until he could bring his lamb who had sufficient, um, who had the accurate blood, the blood that was qualified to not cover but to cleanse. But not just to deal with that sin of the past, but to also change the nature so that we could have the life of God in us again, so that we could be born again, alive unto God, born of God, and have his spirit dwell in us, and we could fellowship with him the way God intended for us to fellowship with him, the way he created us to fellowship with him. That was God's desire. So when Jesus said sacrifice and offering, that is not what you want. That's not your real desire So here I am, I come in the volume of the book, you have prepared a body for me. You have prepared a body for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, here I am, I come, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, I come to do your will. Isn't that what the angels were singing about, goodwill? The word goodwill is actually God's will. 
if you go back and look closely at that word, God's goodwill was now available for us to walk in the will of God, for us to walk in the plan of God. His will was now available. So when we celebrate Jesus, when we sing about the Lamb, when we, when we give our praises to what he has done, we're recognizing we're not living under that old hindered relationship of the Old Testament, the first covenant, but we have in Jesus' blood, we have a new and a living way. We have an access to God. We have a relationship with God that God so designed. He so desired it. He designed it. And Jesus said, I've come to do your will. And what was the will of God? To bring us back to God. To bring us back into this relationship with God so that we could talk to him. So that we could fellowship with him. So that we never had to go through anything in our life without him. But we could have his counsel. We could have his wisdom. We could have his strength. We could have his life. We could have his miracle working power available to us. He is our ever present help in time of trouble. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He dwells in us. And his anointing is upon us. And he has equipped us for victory. With Jesus' victory. We walk in victory. Because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is the will of God. I've come to do your will, oh God. Let's look at Isaiah 53. Because we're, we're celebrating what that angel choir was making the focus of their song that God's peace and goodwill is available to us. Isaiah 53. And let's look at verse four and five, and we'll look at it in the Amplified Bible. If you can put the Amplified on the screen. Surely he has borne our griefs. Can you give me the Amplified up there? Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, and weaknesses, and distresses. All of that is included. Not just the emotion of grief. All that would cause grief, including sickness, Weakness. The word sickness is actually like the root of that word. Grief, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. What, what did he do with them? What did he do with them? He bore them, which means to remove to a distance. He removed our griefs so they are no longer in our vicinity, so that they are no longer in our our atmosphere. They're no longer on us. They're no longer plaguing us. They're no longer attached to us. He removed them to a distance. He carried them off. He's our scapegoat who carried it away to a place where it can't come back to you. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our to pay for our transgressions. We've all sinned. We've all sinned, and none of us had enough to pay for our sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in ourselves. None of us had the necessary payment to clear our name with God. 
But Jesus provided that necessary payment. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. This is what I want you to see. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being was upon him. Well, peace and well-being for us. The chastisement necessary. He paid the price. Don't let that become a cliche to you. You owed a debt you could never pay. You and I, we, we had no way, physically, spiritually, mentally, we had no way to clear our name with God, to wipe clean our record. But Jesus, his blood, his blood so cleansed you that it is not just... It's not just that your record's been, been cleared. He expunged it. Do you all know what a, a, when you have something expunged? When you have something pardoned? I, I remember a person who had been uh, in prison in the state of Tennessee. And um, after he had been in prison for, for a, a number of years for a very serious crime, and it was on his record, and it, it was, after he was released from prison, he was having difficulty with things in business. So he went and went to the governor of the state of Tennessee and requested a pardon. He got he was he received a pardon. And all that it was expunged off of his record so that now if you go look at his record, it's no longer on his record. He was guilty of what he had done. But it can't be held against him. It can't hinder his progress anymore. He can go and do business and own a home and do the different things in the business that he was trying to do that it, it, was, it was hindering him until he got the pardon. And when it was cleared off of his record, when he got it expunged off of his record, and it was no longer there to be held against him. The chastisement necessary to obtain our peace with God was upon him. Let's look at Romans 5.1. Now, you may know these things. You may say, I know that. I believe that. But knowing it in your head is mental assent. To have faith of it in your heart provides you a different movement in the spirit. When you have faith in your heart that I'm redeemed, my record is clear before God, I have peace with God, then when you have faith in that, there's nothing that will ever come into your life that will, that will stop you from going to God. Because you know, I have peace through Jesus. It, it, I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is and he lives in me. And even if I fall short, I can turn to him and he'll help me. And, and that faith in that, that new and living way we have through Jesus, that faith in the, the road that he built for us, the way that he made to God for us, is necessary so that we can, we can enter boldly into the throne room of his grace to receive the help we need in time that are difficult. So Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have access, I'm sorry, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace. Peace 
Do we have the message translation? Can you give me the message here in verse 5? We have peace with God by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. Set us right with him. <laughs> He's always wanted that. that that's, if you want to say, what, what is God's real desire? Is that you always come to him open-hearted. That you don't ever hold him in arms stiff. Don't ever, don't ever brick wall God. Y'all remember that brick wall thing? That was back in the early 90s, right? Brick wall. Right? Don't ever brick wall God. Don't ever hold him at a distance. Don't ever, don't ever pull yourself back. It says draw near to God. Draw near, draw near to God. And, and, and it says he will draw near to you. Yes. He, his desire is to set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God. Hallelujah. And I think there's one more slide there. And discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his door to us. Don't you love that picture? We throw our doors open to God and we find out his doors have been wide open saying, come on in. Hallelujah. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace, his goodness, and his glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Hallelujah. How did that happen? Because what Jesus did set us right with God. The New Living Translation says, because of what Jesus has done for us. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Because, there it is. Praise God. We do have that. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Hallelujah. That's what we were singing about today. You have done great things. You have done great things. You know, when it says in Romans, if he did not withhold Jesus, how much more will he not give us freely? The other things we need in our life. I mean, he didn't hold back Jesus and say, I, yeah, I can't, I, I'm not, he's my only begotten. No, no, no. He willingly gave him. He willingly gave him, and now he's the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. He's no longer the only begotten. He's no longer God's only son. God has sons sitting right here in this. We're the sons, sons, female and male, sons of God. We are the children of God. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus has done for us. He made peace with God for us. Without him, none of us would have a way to have this freedom in this relationship with God. But because of him, we do. And that's what, that's what when he says about the blood, he said, because uh, we enter with boldness by the blood. Because we, we have this new and the living way, we enter with boldness. When we have faith that Jesus has justified, there's evidence of it. And the evidence is we come to God. And we, we live in his presence. We come to him off, We come to him and stay with him. 
I'm just convinced we just, you know, it's so prevalent now. You walk in the store and you see people, they're not talking to themselves and you don't even think it anymore. You don't even think they're talking to themselves. You know there's probably an earbud and they're talking to somebody on the phone, right? They got their phone on, they're walking through the store in Walmart, pulling down some frosted flakes and, and having a conversation, right? Because... They just walk through their whole day with that telephone on and they're in constant communication with whoever's on the other end of the Well, let's just keep our phone with God on all day long. Just keep our, our connection to him open and commune with him, fellowship with him. That's his desire. That's, if you want to give God his greatest gift, it's time with you. It's being with you. It's hearing from you. It's communing with you. And not just here and there, not just penciling out 15 minutes of your day to give him time, but just keep him on, on the speaker all day long. Keep your heart open to him. Hallelujah. So we have this peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's talk a little bit about what he's done for us because we, we want this, the scripture to show us. I talked to you about the fall. And we, we recognize that when Adam sinned and that entered, let's, I want to look at that scripture. Let's, we're here in Romans 5. Let's look at that uh, specifically. Hallelujah. Let's look first at verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world... That was Adam, and when he fell, he was the first man. He was like the prototype. You know, if you, if you look at an assembly line of trucks, and let's say there's a Ford F-150 on the assembly line, and they're all being made after that one prototype, they, whatever model it is, everything coming off of that assembly line, it might have different color paint, it might have a few different packages at it. It might have a sports package. It might have whatever kind of package added to it. But the, the shell of it, the, the framework of it is all in that prototype. Everyone born after Adam was born in sin, born in that nature, born in that fallen condition because the prototype fell. But look what it says here. As by one man, sin entered the world. And what? Death. Remember what he said in, in Genesis 2? In dying, you shall die. So what happened first was spiritual death. And then physical death followed years later. But immediately they were spiritually disconnected from God. That's what spiritual death means, to be disconnected from the life of God. So they immediately were disconnected from the life of God by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But we weren't left there. But what we've been singing about, what we've been looking at is he, through what he did for us, we have peace with God. He reconciled, he fixed what happened here as a result of the fall. It says in Let's look now at verse 17. 
For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace, God's goodness, his willingness to use all of his power on our behalf, we receive that, and the gift of righteousness, we shall reign in life. Not death reigning over us. We will, we will reign through the life of God in our spirits because we've been made at peace with God. Our relationship with God has been made right. It's been set right with him. Hallelujah. We will reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we'll also look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I want you to see all three of those verses because they compare what we lost in Adam to what we have now in Christ. Through, through one man, sin entered, and death by sin, and death reigned. But now that we have received the abundance of God's goodness, remember, peace on earth and God's will is available to men. God's will is available to men. Peace with God is now available to all of humanity, whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, whoever will make him Lord, the one who will bring peace with God is on the earth. When you open your Christmas card, celebrate the fact that you have peace with God. When you hear those Christmas songs, remember, this is all about the fact that Jesus came from heaven, from his position as, as the second person of the Godhead. He stripped himself and came in the form and the fashion as a man. He came into this human body saying, a body you have prepared for me, knowing that he was going to take that body and sacrifice it and pour out his blood, knowing that his blood was going to provide the necessary payment to free us from the bondage that we were enslaved to because of sin it would free us and not only free us but justify us in the sight of God so that when we come into God's presence we don't smell bad in his presence we don't look bad in his presence he's not sickened by the sight of us we come to him and he says I'm so glad to see you I've been waiting all day to talk to you come here come here come here to me hallelujah and that happened because of what Jesus did that happened because Jesus came. Hallelujah. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. Hallelujah. Jesus tasted death for us to make this happen. I want to look at Hebrews 2 because the angels were singing at the entrance of Jesus. But Jesus knew before he entered into Mary's womb what he had in store. He said, a body you have prepared for me. He knew it was to be the sacrifice. He knew before he entered into Mary's womb that he would come and that he would bring the appropriate sacrifice to God by number one, being completely obedient to the Father's will. Remember what we just read? Because of one man's disobedience, yet by the obedience of one, We've been made righteous. His complete obedience to the plan and the purpose of God, the will of God, to live his life for God, to walk in communion with his Father for 33 
and a half years on the earth and then come into that place where he became the lamb slain, where he took upon himself the sin of the world, where he was wounded for our transgressions, where he was bruised for our iniquities. That happened the moment that he was, was placed on the cross and the power of that sin that was holding us in bondage came upon Jesus who had never sinned. He had never sinned a day in his life, but he became sin for us. He became sin. He accepted by faith the sin punishment that you and I deserve, the punishment that you and I, we had it on our bill. It was invoiced to us that you've got to pay this, Michelle Smart. You've got to pay this. You've got to pay this, this sin debt. And there was no way we could pay it. We were in a debt we could never pay. But Jesus came. But Jesus came, and when he accepted the sin of the world, he became sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God. Why would we not walk in the righteousness he made us after the price that he paid to get us there? Why would we not accept by faith the righteousness that he made us to be? What, what, what hinders that is that sin consciousness that keeps trying to hold on to the carnal mind. That's why we've got to renew the mind. That what I feel does not make me who I am. Who I am is what the Word says about me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am redeemed by the, by the blood of the Lamb. I am justified by faith. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God because He became sin for me. He became sin for me. So I am no longer a sinner by nature, but I am a part partaker of his divine nature. Do you see what faith is supposed to work in you? It's supposed to work a resistance to the things of this earth. It's supposed to work a resistance to the curse, a resistance to that thing that other people just yield themselves to because they think, well, it's just the natural flow. We're not designed for the natural flow. We're designed for a kingdom flow. And the kingdom of the flow of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's the flow we live in. We are redeemed. And the peace we have with God was purchased by the Lamb who was born of a virgin. (laughs) The Lamb of God who came willingly to this planet. Are you in Hebrews 2? Let's look here at three specific things that we see in the book of Hebrews. The reasons why Jesus became a man. We have peace with God because Jesus was willing to do these things. Number one, we find in verse 9. Number one is that he tasted death for every man. Verse 9 says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. We see him crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That word taste, it uses this word taste because the, the scripture is emphasizing he personally experienced it. It wasn't something that, that came on him that he didn't feel it. He didn't know. He, he tasted. He personally experienced death, spiritual death for every man. The, the death that was keeping us disconnected, the spiritual death was what was disconnecting us from God. And Jesus became sin 
And when he became sin, he died, and we know God raised him from the dead. God raised him, and that's why it says that in Romans chapter 10, if you believe with your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth, it's so specific, isn't it? What do you have to believe in your heart? According to Romans 10, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus. Why? Because if he didn't raise Jesus from the dead, how could he ever raise me from the dead? Because he raised Jesus, he, and Jesus did that as my substitute, as my sacrifice, my faith in what he did provides me that same freedom from spiritual death. I've been raised to life. I've been raised to the newness of life. Romans 6 says, since we have been resurrected together with him, raised up together with him. Now we can walk in that newness of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our faith is in the fact that he became sin for us. Our faith is in the fact that he died the death we deserved. He suffered. He tasted death for every man. He tasted it for me. He tasted it for you. He died. He experienced separation from the Father. He had never been disconnected from the presence of his Father. He, in the beginning, was God. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Yet he came and took on. He entered into that body that God had prepared for him. And he provides himself as a lamb. And on the cross, he became sin. And when he did, that sin caused a spiritual disconnection just like it had done to the first Adam. This innocent lamb who had never sinned became sin. And suddenly when that disconnect came, he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He never knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. And yet it was such a stark, painful reality when he was separated from the presence of God that he cried out why have you forsaken me why Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord to bruise him it pleased the Lord to strike him to not because God took pleasure in seeing Jesus suffer but God took pleasure in seeing you redeemed Jesus was willing to be the lamb slain so that you could be the son redeemed. So that you could be redeemed and raised to life and walk in relationship with God. Hallelujah. He tasted death for every man. Number two is found in verse 14. This is why he had to have a body. He could not do this without coming as a man to redeem us. Verse 14 We're going to find in this verse that he destroyed the one who had the power of death. He tasted death and he destroyed the one who had the power of death. Verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. The word destroy means to render inoperative. To render inoperative. Have you ever had anything in your house that doesn't work? Out of order. 
That's what he did. He put the out of order sign on the devil. He no longer works against you. Nothing he has, if, you, if you'll walk in Christ, if you'll walk in, in the equipping, uh, equipping of the victory you have in him, if you'll take the weapons of your warfare, the Bible says that you can put on the armor of God and you can stand against anything the enemy brings. It says if you're wearing the armor of God, you can stand against all. That shield of faith alone will quench anything he throws at you. But it says you're able to stand against all the wiles, all the schemes, all the strategies of the enemy if you'll just stand in who you are in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's, he is out of order where you're concerned. There's nothing he has that if we'll stand in Christ and resist him, there's nothing he has that can defeat us or, or make us victims. It says that he has through death... Jesus, through death, destroyed him that had the power of death. He no longer has it. Remember what the the book of Revelations, who's holding the keys? He had the power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime slaves to constant dread. Subject to bondage, it says in King James. The Living Bible says they were slaves to constant dread. Why? Through the fear of death. But once you've received eternal life, the life of God is living in you, and you have faith in that, and you begin to walk in that, and you realize, I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. And even if I leave my body, I will be present with the Lord because he's already tasted death for me. I I won't taste death. Even if I leave this body, I won't taste death. I won't taste death. Why? Because he's tasted death for me. The moment I exit my body, where am I? In the presence of the Lord. No suffering, no anguish, rejoicing and peace. Hallelujah. So there's no longer a reason to fear death. Why? Because the life of God is in me. I am am a recipient. I am a partaker of his divine nature. His life is in me. I am alive unto God. I am born of God. I am in Christ. Hallelujah. This isn't here. This is here. I believe I'm alive unto God. I believe. Why? How do I believe it? The scripture is bringing faith to me. I am alive unto God. I don't fear death. I am delivered from the fear of death. I'm redeemed. That was one of the things Jesus did. He tasted death. Number two, he destroyed the one who had the power of death. And in doing so, he set us free from the fear of death. Now the third thing that he did is found in verse 17. He became our faithful high priest and he is still today in our lives a constant representative to us, a constant help and and, um, source of spiritual strength. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren it behooved him. I've never used the word behooved until I pull it out of a scripture. It, it, he embraced it. It was pleasing to him. It was something that 
he wanted to do. It wasn't something that God had to twist his arm and make him do. He said, here I am. I'm willing to do it. It behooved him. It was something that was a desire for him. It behooved him to be made like you. It behooved him. He didn't think it was something disgusting to leave heaven and come into a body and become a man. He said, I'll do it. That's not, no, no, that's not beneath me. I, I want to be their, their kinsman redeemer. I want to be the one who is legally qualified to bring them back to the Father. So it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Hallelujah. He's your high priest. He's your high priest representing you to the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How did he do it? He tasted death. He became sin. He was obedient to the death of the cross. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the lamb who provided the necessary blood. Now, I want us to go... We're going we're gonna to bring this part of the service to, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, because we saw the angel choir singing the day Jesus was born, and they were, they were emphasizing that peace with God and God's goodwill, the will of God is now made available. That's what they were emphasizing. What just happened here on this planet, y'all don't even know yet, is what they were singing. <laughs> y'all don't even, you don't even know what just happened on this planet. Y'all have no idea what's about to change on planet Earth because the Redeemer is born, the Christ is born, the one is on the planet who is, willing to, who is willing and able to bring a reconciliation of our relationship to God. And they were singing about this peace with God, that God's will would now be available. Do, do you know how important that is? Is that important to you, that the will of God is available to you? I want the will of God in my life. I want the will of God. And so... We're not just talking about your personal will, but he was talking about God's will overall, which includes the individual plan and purpose and destiny for each of our lives. So it had been closed up. It had been closed up. Look here in Romans chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. You know what? Let me see. I think I can... Can you give me the Passion Translation of this? And y'all just follow me in the Passion Translation. I read it this morning in the Passion and, and was quite stirred. Hallelujah. Follow along with me here. I saw that the one seated on the throne was holding in his right hand an unopened scroll with writing on the inside and the outside. What did Jesus say in Hebrews? I've come in the volume of the book, right? What do we see? What does Isaiah say? And we didn't see it, but hold your place here. I want you to see it. Isaiah 53, I quoted it, but you need to see it. 
verse 10. Hold that there in the Passion Translation. It says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's made him, he hath put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The pleasure, what pleases God, what God wants, the will of God will prosper in his hand. So he says, the, the Lord, it has pleased him to make him sick, to strike him, to wound him with our sicknesses, with our wounds. To, it, it has pleased him that he was wounded for our transgressions. It, it pleased, why? Because when you make his soul an offering for your sin, then the will of God is done so that you can be reconciled to God. So Revelation 5, we're talking about that will, and where was the will? It was written. It says, who, he says, there was a, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seal? Who's, there was, it was closed. It wasn't open. The will of God wasn't open. It wasn't open. It was closed and it was restricted. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose or to reveal or to, to make available the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody was worthy to open the will of God. And one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Oh, let me go back to the, the, the passage. Okay. Stop weeping. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has conquered. He tasted death for every man. He went to the cross obedient to the Father's will. He shed his innocent blood, having never sinned, tempted in every way, but was without sin. He took that sinless, spotless blood to the cross and offered it on the altar to the Father. He has conquered. He is worthy. He is the worthy one who can open the scrolls. I've come. I've come in the volume of the book to do what? To do your will. To do your will. He is the worthy one who can open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse 6. Hallelujah. Then I saw a young lamb. A young lamb. Hallelujah. When we worship, this is, this is a picture. I'm so glad John, I'm so glad John was in the spirit on the Lord's day because we have a picture of heaven's worship. We have, this is what worship looks like in heaven. They're worshiping the lamb. Their songs are about the lamb and his blood and what his blood has done for us. I saw a young lamb standing in the middle of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. He appeared to have been slaughtered, but was now alive. 
This is the picture that John sees in heaven. This opening of the will of God. This conquering lamb having been slaughtered, having been slain, coming in alive. He appears to have been slaughtered, but now is alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had this... Verse 7, I saw the young lamb approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb had taken the scroll, they fell face down at the feet of the lamb and worshipped him. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of a sweet fragrant incense, which are your prayers. (laughs) The prayers of God's holy lovers, those who love God. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. That's what we were singing today. Because you were slaughtered for us. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood has paid the price. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people, group, and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth, (laughs) reigning with him in life because we've received the abundance of his goodness. We've received what he has provided in his bloodshed. We've received forgiveness of our sins. We have received this newness of life. We have received this relationship with God where we can go to him, we can talk to him, we can receive from him. We have received a changed nature so that we can obey God. We're not sinners by nature, constantly battling a nature of sin. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we can make our servants members of righteousness. We can make our members servants of righteousness. Have mercy. We can make our hands and our feet and our eyes and our attitudes servants of righteousness. Why? Because our spirits are made righteous. Hallelujah. He has done great things for us. He has done great things for us. And if he's done this, how much more will he help you with your finances? How much more will he help you deal with with a battle in your mind or deal with a difficult situation in your family, how much more will he help you? He's provided for us in his covenant everything that pertains to life and godliness. And he'll help us, but it starts with this relationship. We have peace with God. I'm going to ask the praise team to come, and I want us to sing this song from Revelation. You'll remember it it was titled the Revelation Song, but it's a a song of this worship from heaven. And we're going to have the ushers also come and bring the elements because we're going to celebrate the Lamb today. We're going to celebrate what He has done, these great things He's done for us by receiving. He said to do this in remembrance of Him. Hallelujah. So as they come... Before you open your, your elements, let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord. Let's enter into this heaven, this Revelation chapter 5 worship.
and celebrate him.